But there are where I've grown the most and I've been stretched and I felt really uncomfortable to start with is mental skills. A couple of weekends ago, we had our uh, Christmas party. There's my two neighbours. We planned a Christmas party on our front lawns together and all the kids on the street gathered around and they were playing. And I was watching the kids play and they were jumping from my property, which backs onto a neighbour's property. The kids were going from, in, through the pixie yard, jumping over the fence, through the hedges, and we were we didn't care. We were totally okay with it and they were just keeping themselves entertained. The parents were happy, the kids were happy. And I was thinking, we've brought back the 80s. <laughs> I did do a webinar where I thought, I had to be the content expert and I had to run at it like you did. And because I had sat shotgun with you for hundreds of hours, I was like, okay, this is how it should be done. And I'm like, right, okay, I got to do all these things that, you know, had to write my script and make sure that I had all my ducks line up in a roll. But applying that in a webinar setting is not necessarily the best way to go because at the end of it, I covered a lot, but I was exhausted. And I didn't feel like I connected the way that I normally would. Because you didn't. Optimise performance through adapting your physical, psychological and emotional state. Welcome to another edition of the Performance Intelligence Podcast. This is one of the last editions for 2023. This is Looking in the Review Mirror and I'm joined by Angela Poon from Strive Stronger. And welcome to the studio. Thanks for having me, Andrew. I've thrown you in. We've done a bit of prep for this. We'll get to that in a moment. But, Ange, one of the reasons we're going to do this is so many people get swept up by Sitius Altius Fortius, which is the Olympic creed, faster, higher, stronger, which was chanted by the little Frenchman, Pierre de Coubertin, back in 1894. And yes, we do believe in looking forward at setting goals. But the process we're doing today, if you think about goals, a lot of it is like driving a car. Most of your vision is out the front of the window, but we have a little bit in the periphery through the side mirrors and a little bit in the rear view mirror. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look in the rear view mirror and go back and look at eight different areas on what people have achieved in the past 12 months. So before I get into the science and why this is important, when I ask you to look back on the year, what's your immediate thought? I feel like this year has just gone by so quickly and... It's because you're getting older. <laughs> it happens as we get older because you've got more years. Like this when you're true. three, you've only got three years. Yes. I think I read something about that. That's why kids find it takes so long to reach to the end of Christmas, but we always feel like it's just around the corner. I think this exercise is... Um, well, one, yes, I think the time has gone by really quickly, but I think in terms of this exercise, we've done this last year too, Andrew, and it's a really good exercise to do because what often tends to happen at this time of the year, people reach the end of the year and they collapse in they a heap. They get drunk and have Christmas parties. <laughs> and there's always one or two people who end up at HR. Yeah, that's what you mean? And it's it's a funny thing. I think it's an Australian cultural thing as well because when I was living in Singapore towards the end of the year, it just comes and goes and people don't really think about it because Christmas is just one of many celebrations and cultures and public holidays that they have. But in Australia, it's this massive point in the sand. So a month before, you see everybody around you looking tired and exhausted, just clinging on for that end of year. And I think it's a very much a psychological thing rather than anything else. Um, so doing this exercise, I think for me, it helps rejuvenate 
and energize me because it reminds me of all the things that we have achieved. And I'm not just going to collapse in a heap, but feeling a lot more grateful. You've done this with me before and you're guiding me and you're guiding the run sheet without even looking at it. Can I ask you a question before I do go through some of the research? Because we have a lot of research buffs who love the signs of the difference between preparing for this activity this year compared to last year. Because when I asked you this morning, how are you going? I almost felt anxiety because you were so calm. What's wrong? (laughs) What's going on? Did I not give the brief? So you want to take us... Back, let's start last year. How did you feel? How did you prepare when you're in the studio talking about this? What state were you in? I think over the last, I I think we might be jumping ahead and talking about some of the reflections that I had from work. But last year when I was doing this, every time you pull me into a podcast or into an event or a live thing where I'm not just behind the camera where we can, you know, do a few takes and it's okay, I get quite a bit stage fright I get anxious like the lights turn on and you're kind of like okay and I have a loss for words and I stutter a little bit and and that's at the event and then before the event I'm just like overthinking it and I'm like writing all the things and I almost feel like I needed to write a script but this time around what did I tell you about writing scripts (laughs) you told me don't do it. It's fact, a performance I warning. I said, you are <laughs> said, Anne, this is this is, I think, your first performance warning you've ever had in your entire life. <laughs> now it was a joke, people. But I said, stop over preparing. You know more than you need to know. Go with confidence. Go with your memory. And since you've done that, you're presenting your connectivity. We had a program that we finished up today with Defense, our social mastery program. That's the best intro you've ever done. Thank you. Andrew, you talk about this all the time. It's about those reps and sets, doing it repeatedly and then gaining that confidence and backing yourself. And you tell me this a lot. And at the beginning, I'm always like, yeah, but I need to know all these things and I need to make sure I'm prepared and blah, 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 blah. The last year I've let go a lot more and it's not something that happens overnight. Right. It's an, a gradual process and I've gotten more comfortable with it as uh, the more we do these things. And I realise, yes, I do know a lot more than I've given myself credit for. And that's given me – and it's it's not perfect and I'm still learning. But I felt a lot more comfortable in these type of situations. So, Andrew, this year, this time around, when I prepared for today's session, I pulled out the worksheet with the eight areas that we look at jotted down a few bullet points for each of these and then I was ready to roll. I didn't write a script. Well, let's give a bit of the research for those listeners wanting to go deeper. We're going to talk or the process is around self-reflective awareness or SRA, which is a metacognitive ability that involves thinking about and reflecting on your own mental processes. So the actual act of sitting down and reflecting on what have I done in my working career? How am I going with finances? That's a pretty quick one for me when you're funding a digital startup. (laughs) That's the quickest one. Don't choose that one for me, Ange. (laughs) And and the researchers tell us people with a strong SRA are able to generate a self-narrative narrative that is complex, it is clear, and it is multifaceted. Does that sound a lot like the lives we all lead? Mm. They are also capable of communicating in a way that allows others to have a much better understanding of who they are and where they are coming from. So I couldn't help but think as you're making meaning, and that's one of the other reasons why we do these activities, is to reflect and make meaning and come up with new mental models. So even if you're saying that, I'm thinking, yeah, it's SRA. It's that self-reflective awareness that, now you've got the reps and sets, 
you've rode shotgun with me for hundreds and hundreds of discussions and meetings and presentations. You bring a different nuance, a different experience that I don't have. You know, the only version of you to be is you. And then when you combine all that, confidence is two things as a construct. One is doing the work. Two, it's backing yourself. Yeah, and we tell our clients that all the time as well. And uh, when you said uh, me being me in terms of the reflection about work and what we do, I did try to not be me for one of our sessions. <laughs> I, thought, I didn't know whether you were going to go there. I will. Yeah. Well, in the interest of authenticity, I did do a webinar where I thought I had to be the content expert and I had to run at it like you did. And because I had sat shotgun with you for hundreds of hours, I was like, okay, this is how it should be done. So, so we might just pause and give a bit of context. So the way I present is – Upbeat. There's different styles. If it's an executive audience in a boardroom, it's more facilitation type. If it's a big keynote, it's jazz hands. If it's an online webinar like we're doing, I'll blend between the two. I'll coach and drop the intensity. You know, when I do that, I'll either sit down or I'm sitting at the camera. And then when I want to elevate, I stand up. And I do bring jazz hands and I do bring energy. And what did, what did someone say from defence? He ties me. Didn't someone yes. give feedback on the form there? Is he always like that? What has he taken? No, come on. You could, like my athletes, you create a persona without sounding like a wanker. But if I'm pre- presenting to a group that is tired, fatigued, distracted, you've got to get the info, you do it in a high energy. And that, that works for me. But you've got to be you. That's right. And so I tried to channel some of that high energy through a webinar and uh, was one of the earlier ones where you're like, Ange, you got this one. And I'm like, right, okay, I got to do all these things. I you know, had to write my script and make sure that I had all my ducks line up in a row because that's my personality. I like to have things planned and prepared and have things happen in a certain order. That's why we get on because I'm exactly <laughs> the same. But applying that in a webinar setting is not necessarily the best way to go because at the end of it, I covered a lot, but I was exhausted and I didn't feel like I connected the way that I normally would. Because you didn't. Because I didn't. And uh, even Dr. Tom thought that I wasn't my usual self. And it was a shock uh, to the system because on one hand I thought I did really well, I covered all the things and I yes, I ran a bit of overtime. I ran seven minutes overtime, which in, in that world is not great because I can I see you twitching. Twitching because, <laughs> you know, it, it, well, in any world, but especially when you're working in sport and defence, it's like clockwork. Yeah. And so that was a deep reflection exercise I had to undergo. And when you and I had a chat or you – Gave the feedback and we have a great working relationship in that when we complete a performance moment, we sit down, we talk what went well, what didn't go well, what can be done better. And you were quite direct in that feedback. And I was taken a bit aback and I needed time to process. And you asked me what who I wanted to be as a presenter. And I was like, I don't know. I just present. So I present like you. And then you're like, no, who are you as a presenter? And I kind of just, my mind at that point was kind of like, I don't know. (laughs) And you said, Angela, you represent caring. You're caring, you're nurturing, you are intellectual and uh, you show a compassion. So I wrote a few of these points down and I looked at it and I went, oh, yeah, 
that is me and I feel much more comfortable in that space. So next webinar, it was only a week later, I looked at that and I went, okay, stay in my lane, be that facilitator and bring that warmth that you've told me and I don't want to sound like I'm egotistical or anything like that, but you told me that I exude in person, bring that warmth to a webinar setting. And so that's what I've tried to do since then. And I'm hoping that it's worked. Well, it did because you did that webinar and then we did the debrief and it is a process. And so I love hearing this. I didn't know whether you were going to mention that because it's it's your reflection, not my reflection on what I think you should reflect about. That was a huge learning moment for you. And for people listening to this thinking, he's an asshole. No, he has a team that has really good psychological safety, which is the bedrock of trust. You've given me some really explicit feedback at times and I listen and go, oh. Yeah, and when you've got an environment you can do that, you learn and grow. But if I didn't give you that feedback, I was doing you a disservice because if you did that again, we'd get feedback and not great feedback about some of the things. You're not growing, we're not growing the business. So having that uncomfortable conversation, it's that healthy conflict, it can make teams rather than breaking teams. Yeah, and I think recognising that we're all imperfect and there is room to grow and there is learning and having that growth mindset to accept that feedback that it's done in with no malice but with complete support for you as an individual so I think we have that as a team and this is why I love working with this team because we do this on a regular basis and sometimes the feedback hits a little harder than other times. If I just double click on that it really did hit you hard because you you take so much pride in what we do. We all do. We spoke on the Monday and you burst into tears. I think you and I are in the office and I think everyone's thinking, oh, what are they talking about? But it, it really did hit you, didn't it? Because you took it personally. It's because I care. I care about the product and what we're trying to deliver to our clients. And some people that are watching that webinar that doesn't know me well probably doesn't even realise what had happened or that we thought that that quality of that webinar is not the same as the other webinars that we do deliver, but it's because we have a high quality or a high standard of quality. Compare that to this morning. How did you feel about delivering that one this morning, just so we can close out the learning? Because when I look at this from a meta, that was bloody hard. We had the immediate feedback. So part of the reflection process is to take the feedback, get away from the conversation, reflect on it, make meaning, come back and put it into action. So you did that and then you've done multiple webinars. But if we just pinpoint that one this morning, when you were at the start of it, can you go back? Because you were in flow. Like I could see you there. You had a smile on your face. You knew what was happening. You were responding today rather than reading notes. How did that feel? A lot of the times you tell me to be on the balcony, the anablep analogy, have that view of... So the anablep, for anyone who hasn't heard me rattle on about that, is this, it's very similar to a Mexican salamander, skips along the mudflats, two eyes that look up, two eyes that look down the anablep. So it's got some eyes on what's happening, but it's always got two eyes looking ahead, future focus, what's coming up. And so I've been trying to implement this and what that I found requires is a lot more presence and to be a lot more present, you have to let go of the planned order and the planned script that you have in front of you and read the virtual room and making sure that you are feeling the energy, even though it's in a virtual setting. There is still cues that you can get from people that are on screen or in the chat room. So knowing when to pull in people from the audience, knowing when to engage other co-facilitators to have that dance so it's not just 
just so you're not just speaking at people. So this is some of the techniques that and again, I'm not perfect. I'm still trying to learn and hone that craft as we go along, but it's something that I'm much more aware of now and something that when I do so this morning when I was doing that rover night it wasn't okay I must say this or this I had a rough frame but depending on when the where the conversations went and depending on the engagement with the people we danced and I and I thought that we did that well today you never stop learning and I think when you do you hang up the mic and go do something different so even if you get to a level where you think I've got a comfortable level of mastery you still evolve you still adapt Hey, it's me. Just a quick note, I'd love you to subscribe to the Performance Intelligence Podcast. And I know you probably hear this on so many other podcasts and like me, you switch off. But can I ask you to please go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. And while you're there, extra bonus, leave a rating and review. That's it. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Charles Dickens says, reflect upon your blessings of which every man and woman has plenty, not on your last misfortunes of which we all have some. So we've looked at, it's not a misfortune, but some of the learnings. And it is, it's true. The biggest learnings we have, if you adopt a growth mindset where you're looking at this as an opportunity rather than a threat, you can learn and grow from that. So I didn't ever really... I didn't realize we we're going to talk about that, but it's a wonderful learning. And that's a big part of making meaning is looking back and reflecting. So on the rearview mirror, Ange, there's eight key areas. Now, can I just disclose, and I said this to Wizard before, this podcast is for all of our podcast listeners and welcome to all the new ones. The numbers are just going up all the time. So we love that you're supporting us. So this is, of course, for you, but I've got a little secret. This is also for my coaching clients. This saves me hours because in the past few years, I'd send an email to everybody and say, hey, I'd like you to look in the rearview mirror. Here's the story behind it and I'd write it out. Here's your PDF. So I now give this to my coaching clients. In fact, I'm giving it to a lot of my athletes. This is a time saver for me. It's leverage. So the eight areas, Ange, number one is work and career. Two is health and fitness. Three is learning and development. Four is family and relationships. Five is finances. Six is hobbies, passion and play. Seven is community and spirituality, and eight is recovery. I added recovery last year because on the back of COVID and just the rate at which we all work and play, I think that's a really important part of our lives now to, to put in that recharge, renew, recover, recalibrate. So we're going to play a game. Let's do two each. We've both done the activity. We will make sure that this is on the show notes where people can go and download this and print off the worksheet or even just do it yourself in those eight key areas. My, my advice is write as much as you possibly can. Write down what have you achieved in the past 12 months in each of those eight areas. We're going to choose two. I think we both should do work and career because that makes sense for this podcast. What's the other one you're going to choose? I'm going to choose community today. Ah, that's different because last year... You did health and fitness. That's right. And you'd implemented a program and you'd revolutionised your Pilates program. You're telling everyone about mitochondria and Golgi tendon organs and you're getting really nerdy. Cold showers. Yeah, cold (laughs) showers. Uh, Choose one for me. I know you've had a lot this year in terms of all your different opportunities in the mental skills space. You're speaking a lot more than previous years, uh, lots of workshops and you're travelling more. What I want to know this year is how you're fitting in family and relationships. Oh, they're angry at me. I'm never. (laughs) I have to work on it. That's a good one for me to disclose. Okay, let's share. Where do you want to start? Let's let's go linear. Let's start with work and career. 
Okay. Well, I shared my personal reflections on on work. What I reflected on on top of that was a reflection on what Strive Stronger has done in the last year. We've done a lot with respect to building our digital platform and I'm really proud of the team. Uh, We have a new diagnostic or a new uh, screening tool, our Live Life Score. Previously, we'd had all these other calculators. Mental skills calculator, 10 dimensions of well-being calculator, burnout proof calculator. Work fit calculator. Match fit calculator. <laughs> I think we confuse the living. Can I just say to <laughs> any of our clients that we've worked with or anyone who we spoke to and you were going to work with us and we confused the shit out of you, please come back. We have <laughs> one calculator. It's like that. there's one goat. Why do they call you that goat? We won't finish the joke. But yeah, refining to the live life score, that's been a game changer. Just simplifying it, having an assessment that takes four to five minutes and it's still evidence-based but still and still showing the impact that our program has had, like the one that we just ran, that we just finished today, the cohort had 10% change. And although that doesn't sound like a lot, it's actually really quite a significant impact, as Dr. Tom reflected, over a short period of time. And it's those little things that make a big difference. So for us to be able to measure that in a way that is simple to understand, simple for us to talk about and reflect on the results for people to really get that aha moment. Oh, that's what I need to focus on. Or those are the areas that you are trying to change as a result of the program has been a game changer for us. And a jump on the balcony as well for anyone listening. What's the Live Life Score? It's a tool we have that measures your physical energy through what we call a biological age. And next step is to integrate that with wearable tech. And it also gives a mental fitness gauge, which is physical and psychological energy. So we can go into an organization Each person in four or five minutes, it's confidential. We give an aggregated score and we can pinpoint the physical, the psychological, the emotional energy, which we can then train capacity. It's been a game changer. And it sounds so simple, but it's taken us as a team four to five years to get here. But you and Dr. Tom's collective 20 plus years of working together to create such a refined tool that is simple to use and easy to understand. But we had to go through all of that messiness of creating all these other different assessments. Did we? Or we just got the sharpest <laughs> tools in the shade? <laughs> I think that's just part of the iteration and the learning process. But speaking of tools, Andrew, the other tool we did develop, which we've spent a lot this year prototyping and developing and creating content for, and I'm really excited and proud of the team of, is our performance toolbox. I'm so glad you said performance toolbox because my mates, when they normally say, speaking of tools... <laughs> Have you met Andy? So yeah, performance toolbox. That's that were my reflections as well with Strive Stronger. It was the work we're doing with defense and running out programs for education and other sectors. But the big reflection was with iStrive. We didn't have that this time last year. So even doing this activity, I went, right, we've got a live life score, which is which has got a mental fitness gauge and a biological age. We've got a performance toolbox, which has got modules in five areas, including mental health first aid. We've got energy management, well-being, working smarter, productivity, and we have influencing and coaching. We had none of that at the start of the mm, year. That's right. And getting to work with people that I was just so – that have so much insights in there, I get to learn as well when we help develop and co-create these. And I'm going to give a shout out to my husband who works at Strive Stronger. Sean has put in so much of his knowledge that he's gained through developing this. And I'm really proud of him as a colleague, this is going to be weird, but also as, as a wife, for him to have 
really progressed what we thought was going to take a lot more effort, a lot more time, a lot more money to develop. But we now actually have a working prototype that does a lot more than I thought we would ever be able to do on our own. Yeah, you've done an amazing job, Sean. And you just saying that to everyone, not that we ever disclose or we're, we're hiding that you're married. But I've been <laughs> asked a few times because people have seen us in a meeting. And then there was one time where uh, you left and you just put his hand, your hand on his shoulder. I think it was with Tour de Cure. And, and the guys looked and then you walked out and I said, yeah, they're having an affair. <laughs> Scandal wizard. We got our operations director and the head of our technology and digital having a this scandalous affair. Well, they've been married for ten years. Twelve. Twelve. Okay. <laughs> Give or take a few years. Yeah, Sean has done an amazing job to drive all that. Plus, there's the pulse checks and there's the integration, which we're talking about discovery, and we've now built in podcast. Yeah, big reflection on that one. That's right. That is my work reflection in terms of the amount of growth that we've had in developing our digital platform. What about you, Andrew? What is your reflections on work? You've done mine for Strive Stronger. Can I just flip it back a little bit and then I will do mine in more detail. What about you personally, the growth you've had in your career and work in the past 12 months? Because you very collegiately went what we've done, what Sean's done. You spoke about some of the learnings you've had. What are you proud of? Like when you sit back now and reflect on the past 12 months for little Ange Poon, uh, what have you grown in, learnt in, flourished in? Confidence and the belief in what we're doing. And I was having a conversation with a client that we're going to be running a pilot program early next year and he was asking me all these questions about how the logistically it was going to work, how we're going to put the program together and, and I was just firing answers back at him and he said to me, this is not your first rodeo, is it? And I'm like, no. <laughs> so that was quite validating that the client could see that we're a safe pair of hands when it comes to running the programs because we know what we're doing. We've done it a lot before but just having that confidence to – know where the pitfalls are and what to look out for and how to get things running and organized and have an engaging program and having the results from the previous programs really providing that confidence for me to go back and go I know this works so as from a growth perspective I think yeah a lot of confidence and just being able to I think I've relied on you a lot for some of these relationships, but being able to stand on my own two feet for a lot of these relationships now. Wizard, is it? Is it Billy Eilish or Demi Devado who does the reflection every year and they've they've shown it grow? Billy Eilish. Billie Eilish. It's Billy Eilish. And her name's Demi Lovato. Demi Lovato. Demi Lovato. I was so close to being cool. Ange looked at me. How do you know about Billy Eilish? What we should do is your progression of podcasts. Have you have you watched that Billie Eilish one when she goes back? That, that's really tapping into what we're talking about, the power of reflection. So we might do one in seven or eight years. Wisdom will have the evolution of Poonie. What have I learned? You, you've covered it beautifully in Strive. The only thing I'll add to that, I you use the word confidence. I, I'm confident that next year is going to lead to big opportunities in partnership, in leverage, some of the, the goals we've got that we don't have to share openly. I reckon we're building the base to do that. And that, that was the reflection, just going, yeah, we've really built a platform that is not just me and my shiny head on stage. We've got a real business behind that. 
And we've got a lot of opportunities too that can go in multiple directions and that's exciting um, to see where it all lands in the next 12 months. Mm -hmm. So the other hat for me, or I say I wear three hats in the corporate world, there's the Strive Stronger hat with you and the team, there's the am.com hat, so that's my keynotes and masterclasses, the mastermind, which I've enjoyed doing, and the podcast. I'm loving the podcast. I know I just, you do. It's your favourite thing. <laughs> uh, it's one of my favourite things. The podcast is a gift. Uh, I mean, not a gift to others. It's a gift back. I've learned so much. Connected with people from the past. Opened up new connections. So are we just doing the reflections at the moment on the top five? Out of those conversations, there's two more connections we've got for podcasts next year because people we've had are in the top five have said it's made such a business difference to them that they're now referring others. So I've learned so much. It's been great for connections. It's been wonderful for business as well. I just love it. I love it. Can I make a confession? When you first started the podcast and you and I think it was a running joke that I wasn't listening to the podcasts because it was just like another thing. And you're like, and you've got to listen to the podcast. I'm like, oh, fine. It's part of your job. I'm like, oh, fine. That, that was a, another performance management moment. Now, can I just jump in? I wasn't saying you've got to listen to the podcast <laughs> because I'm egotistical. It's because we use the content in some of our digital platforms. And I was like, hey, can you go and listen to that podcast on – in a voice or can you listen to the podcast on imposter syndrome because it was going to make it faster to get the information across to other parts of the business plus no one else was listening and I needed <laughs> our numbers to go up Ange. And I think at the time in the early days anyway there was just a lot of sports personalities in areas which I wasn't very interested in um, not to say that they were bad podcasts just not something that I was particularly interested in but now that I have started listening to it and I keep listening I actually find a lot of value and the variety and diversity of guests that you've had I've actually learned a lot from them so my phone each morning on Mondays because that's when I listen to them pops up and goes at this time you regularly listen to this podcast and I'm like yep click Woo-hoo, where's Angela <laughs> listening to the podcast I'm a regular podcast well, it's also listener. because when <laughs> <laughs> is that your win of the year mate <laughs> it's probably because you uh, are coercing her as well because I think Every second week, on a Monday morning, we all start the week and we have a half-hour meeting. It's all you need, people, anything more than that, you're wasting time, get on with your job. But we reflect on the previous week. There's a bit of gratitude. Everyone goes through the highlight of their week. And then we talk about what we're going to do this week. For anyone running a business, it's how you save half a day in productivity. Otherwise, everyone stuffs around until lunchtime and then you get on with it. And wizard every second week, the highlight is we interview this person or that person. So you've got it all around you. So you've had to go, okay, I'll listen to him, bang on. That's right. And some of the guests that come from different walks of life, you don't expect them to have the insights that they do. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've actually been really enjoying it. Who would have thought we would have been able to write blowjob in the title of a podcast? You don't have to listen to the podcast on that one, Carol Cook. That was a gift. Um, Carol's such an amazing woman. So, Well, I just leave it open so people have to go and listen to that podcast. Yeah, just leave it dangling as yeah, a teaser. Yeah, leave it really uncomfortable. Uh, I've loved the Mastermind, which is a group coaching program, and the keynotes, yeah, it's been really busy. But the area where I've grown the most and I've been stretched and I felt really uncomfortable to start with, but you get your greatest growth from your biggest discomfort as long as it's not too much. You know, you've got to bend and not break, stretch and not snap, is mental skills. This time last year, I was wrapping up at Parramatta Eels and I don't think I had disclosed I was going to Manly yet because it wasn't still official. That started after Christmas. So I've had a year with Manly running the mental skills program but also leadership. Started at the New South Wales Waratahs. 
Uh, the work I'm doing with Tim, uh, with Tim Zhu, we've gone a, a level deeper. He's taking on the global stage. I'm working with another three athletes behind the scenes. I freaking love it. I love it. And I am challenged in doing it. And I think it's taken me 20 years to get the collective experience, probably longer, 25 or 30 years, to find it's not – I don't feel I've had a conversation in the last 12 months with an athlete, which has thrown me. Like I'll put my hand up if I don't know, but yeah, I just feel it's David Epstein range. The collective sum of experiences gives you the ability to be where you need to be right now. And I, I so believe in that. It's taken 25 or 30 years. Yeah, and I can see the spark and the energy and the amount of passion that you have for it. And it's through this, we've all, I've also got to meet some of the people that you've trained in mental skills. And like I said, it's when we brought in Tom Travojevic, into uh, one of our the defence programs, I was so surprised to hear the level of depth that a young twenty what he's twenty eight. Uh, Tommy's twenty five. Twenty five. Even younger, 25, 26 year old can have with regards to his awareness of his mental skills and his learning and his gratitude. I was nothing like that at that age, but. It just goes to show that when you learn mental skills early because you're teaching these young boys to be – and they become then become great role models, that's really such a fundamental change in the that culture and the way that I've perceived what football players should be like. So it's been an eye-opener for me watching you this, go through this process I'll, I'll well. quote John Quinn, the great man who works with the Crusaders in New Zealand. He also works in Japanese rugby. And Quinny said mental skills is life skills, and I really believe in that. So, yeah, I could talk about work a lot longer, and so could you, so we'll wrap that up. But I totally share with you the improvements, the changes, the opportunities that we've got for Strive Stronger. Loving the am.com work. And the mental skills has really stretched me, challenged me, but it's fueling me. I'm enjoying. So talk to me about community. The reason why I chose this one is because, uh, well, I was watching a uh, Facebook video and it was Dr. Justin Colson is one of the parenting experts that I follow. And he was talking about how in this current day and age, they're raising children uh, we're raising them alone. We no longer have that village and that community around us, which is why it's feeling so much harder than it used to be. And I was reflecting on that and then I realised how grateful I am for the community that I have because a couple of weekends ago we had our uh, Christmas party. There's my two neighbours. We planned a Christmas party on our front lawns together. Whoever comes, comes. Everybody brings a bit of food and a bit of drinks to share. And all the kids on the street gathered around and they were playing. And I was watching the kids play and they were jumping from my property, which backs onto a neighbor's property and we share a fence that has a gate in it. We call it the little pixie fence uh, because previous owners had a tenant that used to go through that fence to go to the bus stop. We thankfully love our neighbors, so we've kept that fence open. You haven't locked it up. We like haven't the locked it up. <laughs> And um, our next door neighbour on the left-hand side have a property that has a very low fence. And so the kids were going in, through the pixie yard, jumping over the fence, through the hedges, um, to the dismay of my other neighbour. <laughs> but they were just going through these three properties and we, were, we didn't care. We were totally okay with it and they were just keeping themselves entertained. The parents were happy, the kids were happy. And I was thinking, we've brought back the 80s. <laughs> 
This reminds me of a Bluey episode. You know that one where they talk about it was the 80s. You didn't wear helmets and skids were free and we'll have to play a little bit of an overlay of that. Do you know the episode I'm talking about, the yeah, 80s? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where, where, uh, uh, I love Bluey. The bingo asked Dad, Bluey, what was it like? And he said, oh, you were riding our bikes. It was on dark. No seatbelts. Where, where, where were your helmets? <laughs> where were the seatbelts? It was the 80s. That's right. Yeah. And I'm just really thankful for the community that I have. It wasn't something that I grew up with as a tr- child of an immigrant family. We didn't really know our neighbours. Everybody sort of kept to themselves. And I don't know whether it was a reflection of the area, the reflection of my parents' attitudes, but... I can't even tell you the names of our neighbours that I was growing up with. Forgive my ignorance, but if you are a migrant family coming in, wouldn't there be a whole bunch of other migrant families that you connect with? Yes and no. Yes, in that there was a community family, but in terms of where we lived in in that particular suburb, not really. I I think the other families, there was – there were probably migrant families as well, but they weren't of an Asian background. Um, they, we were sort of in the outskirts. A lot of the migrants um, lived in sort of like Cabramatta and we were kind of in Chipping Norton. So that's what was at the time referred to as the nicer area. So it was a little bit more affluent um, for a migrant area. So I didn't have that growing up. And also- so you just hung out with the posh Asians. No. <laughs> I'm was, thinking of that movie, no, The Crazy Rich. Crazy Rich. I wish. Uh, no, it was also because my parents worked in Bankstown. So they had a shop in Bankstown. I lived in Chipping Norton. So I went to school in Bankstown. So I didn't therefore walk to and from school at a local school. I, my parents picked me up. So there was none of that connection and community, which is very different to what my daughter has now we walk her to and from school we constantly say hello to our neighbors just ask the team at our nine o'clock calls in the mornings i'm constantly saying hello to people hey glenda hi gloria (laughs) hey rahul (laughs) and it's just that sense of belonging right not just for me but something that i really wanted for my daughter to grow up with and to have because she's an only child so I encourage her to have play dates over the fence. Sorry, neighbours, hopefully they don't mind. <laughs> but just having that backup at that village that, hey, if I can't come home from work early enough, I've got a neighbour that I can rely on. Can you just go pick her up or can you look after her for a few hours? That's priceless. Mm. Listen to this back and the amount of times you've used the word or words that are very similar to connection. Mm. Were you aware of that? Like Even when you spoke about... And you've said the disaster presentation, that's being unfair of yourself. It just wasn't your best one and it went over time and you were you were trying to be me. Why on earth? No, I don't want to be you ever again. Do you, know, do you know how much noise is in this head? It's, seriously, like, do you know how it's busy exhausting. this head is? It is? It's exhausting being me. Don't try and be me, be you. Never try that again. You're a heap no. better version of me than you than you than me than you than me. <laughs> People think the podcast is on loop now. But yeah, connection. You connected with... A presenting style, that's natural for you. Yeah, you're connected with that inner confidence that, hey, I'm not that little girl who's been in the consulting firm out the back, you know, the exciting stuff you used away. to do, <laughs> entering <laughs> spreadsheets. And I know you Still did like a lot more that. Yeah, love you. But you're growing into that and you're connecting with a new way of working and new confidence of connecting. You even said you're not relying on me now, you're connecting with others. So great reflection. And then you're connecting with your neighbours. Yeah, and connecting with our team. Yeah, it's a, I guess that's my key word for the year, connection. 
Well, we're going to talk early next year about a word for the year. So that could be your word, or maybe it's in retrospect, it's connection, and then next year, you're going to move into something else. Hey, uh, what this activity also does is it does help with goal setting for next year, because I'm sure some people are listening to this go, I need to set goals for next year. Yeah, yeah, wait, hold your horses, Harry. Reflect first, make meaning of the eight areas we're talking about. Have a break, chill, download, be a normal person, connect, talk to other people if you don't like that do whatever is going to work for you, then come back next year and start thinking about how do I zone in for the year ahead. Mm. And one of our participants in the program today talked about like sometimes goal setting is hard for some and I resonate with what he was sharing and he talked about making it bite-sized, not making a massive goal that feels unattainable and then you put additional stress on yourself, but making them smaller, attainable goals and revisiting them. And over time, you might not even realise it. Then you step towards that bigger, greater goal before you even realise. We haven't done our reflection yet on the content of today because we did it with defence and we had a lot of defence people or a few defence on online after we do our reflection with them, which is great. Uh, sharing of information, but we didn't talk about that guy. That was interesting. Like I just had a, a a gut feeling that what he was talking about there was more to it. And then as I pulled on that thread, the reverse engineering, I think it just gave a really broad depth and understanding that goal setting is not equal, is not n equals one. That was a, that was. A, I loved his example. Yeah, and it's different for everyone, and that and that and that's okay. You just got to find a way that works for you. What about you, Andrew? What uh, I. Your second area that I picked for you, family and relationships. Did you pick that wondering how I'm keeping it all together? I am wondering how you fit it all in. It's tight. Uh, And I've openly said on a few different episodes of the podcast that one of my goals in the next 12 months is to step aside running Stride Stronger. So at the moment, there's a bunch of opportunities that I love. And I think there's times in your life where you just go, right, I'm going to pick the ball up and run with it. And I can run hard for a year or two. So I reckon I'm about a year into running hard for two years. So my my open goal is to step aside from running Stride Stronger next year and to get someone to come in and do that. So that's some of the discussions we're having. How do I fit it in? We teach it. It's called a better week. And hand on my heart, if I did not have the better week construct that you, that we have now taught to thousands of people, my life would be a mess. So when I look at my week... Sunday night is sacrosanct. Uh, uh, Archie and Mickey, uh, they are with us nearly half the time, but they're with us every Sunday night. So Tony makes a real effort, my partner. She really wants to make sure that Sunday night is the night for her, myself and the four kids. So that's in our diaries, is to make sure that Sunday night is that night of connection. Then I, I have little rituals with the kids. When you've got four kids, yeah. It's nearly a day a week, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Have three more and it will be. <laughs> With Michaela, she's actually in Copenhagen at the moment in Denmark. And I'm talking to her most days, but Tuesday morning's our little ritual. So we get up and we go for a walk. Yeah, and I might buy her a juice or a milkshake or something and I get a coffee as well. Don't tell the other kids. You know, Arch is a mini-me, so he comes to sporting events with me. So I I've, do have a dog, but I take Arch. He's like having a sheepdog as well to the sporting events. He loves sport. Um, but then Tuesday is our, is our little sacrosanct time. So I drop him off 
often drop Mickey at the bus stop as well or sometimes drop her at school. But she worked out after a while that I'd drop her at school first and then drop Archie. And then one day she said, oh, can you drop Archie first and then me? And then Archie's going, oh, no, Mickey, you know, I think the traffic could be really bad. I think, you know, you, you probably should go there and spend more time with your friends. And then she went, I knew you were onto something. He takes you out and you get a milkshake, don't you? <laughs> and he goes, busted. So yeah, we sit down on a Tuesday and we have a milkshake up at Northbridge before he goes to school. I've put that back in in the last quarter. That dropped out when I got really busy. And I noticed a few times, and I won't share too much info, but I could tell by some behaviours that Archie wasn't feeling connected. I was like, oh, this is what I teach people and I'm not doing it. I'm not having that personal time. And I think every person in our family, immediate family that's close, needs a little bit of personal time. And I can make the joke for kids, it's hard to fit in, but you just got to make it work. Now, the two little girls, uh, Sophia's three and a half, and Millie's just turned two. Uh, there's not one-on-one with them yet, but that'll. I think it's important that I do that when they start at school as well and they have some time with Daddy. Although Millie does love taking the dog down with me because I buy her a baby Chino and um, they give us a, a free little Freon because they love Millie because she's so cute. So she says, oh, I'm coming too. But <laughs> Sophia's not onto that yet. And getting better but still need to focus more with Tony and making sure that we have a regular date night. Because I've been traveling quite a lot, we've had some dates during the day. We're fortunate that you know, we live not far from work. So a couple of lunch times, you know this, I've said, I'm going to have lunch with Tony. You went, what? Tony? Mm. Like, and you've you been doing like weight training as well. We're doing some weights together. Yeah. yeah. So I love the notion of double dipping. Yeah. But I've got to be careful, as I've been told by Michaela, not everyone wants to do fitness with your dad. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. So Archie does. Tony will do a little bit. I'll wait and see where the little girls are. And it was it was beautiful advice from me because she said, Dad, I just want to spend time with you. It doesn't have to be with a ball. We don't have to do push-ups and we don't have to you know, sweat. And like, okay, Mumu, got it. So, yeah, that, that, that's what I'm trying to do is those rituals and prioritising this in my diary. And lots of holidays. And, you know, we run to an operating rhythm of go hard for 10 weeks, down-regulate for one or two. Same with the podcast. We have 40 episodes a year. We produce a podcast every week when the school is in term and then when the holidays are on, we don't. So I think that rhythm as well, running to that and having time off. So at the moment, it's been crazy. Launching the season with Manly for mental skills, with the Waratahs, with a couple of other athletes, all the work we're doing. It's been keynote season. It's been bloody busy. So I've just said to the family, hey, this period leading up to Christmas, I'm not going to be here a lot, but we're going to the Gold Coast for two and a half weeks and I'm yours. Mm. I really like the idea of rituals and routines that you build with each of your kids to have that one-on-one time. And I think it reminds me of, um, because we only have one daughter and there's three of us, it's less chaotic in our household. So we naturally get a lot of one-on-one time. Do you still want to swap homes? Like, you know, you're, <laughs> no, you're, you've got all these bedrooms. I'm living in this apartment with not enough rooms. <laughs> I love my neighbours, remember? I'm not leaving them. <laughs> We've got neighbours. You can talk to them. Um, but Maybe you can have a hole in the wall between our apartment <laughs> and our next door. <laughs> Maybe that's what you need. <laughs> you can feed, feed some kids through whenever you I don't think our like neighbours, <laughs> judging by some of the looks we get in the lift well, sometimes want a hole in the wall. <laughs> I'll leave that up to you. Um, But speaking of rituals and traditions, it just reminds me of a ritual that we do at home around because it's Christmas. And um, I want to share this because, again, it's about that connection, connection to memories and building those memories for um, your children, I think is really important. And the one that we have around Christmas is that every year 
We have a personalised bauble that has the year and a significant event. And so we've been doing this since Sean and I got engaged and some years we have more than one. So we've got like about 20 of these baubles and then every year we bring them out. It's a reminder of a significant event of that year. I like that. Your rituals are so much more meaningful and elegant and eloquent than mine. I've got two rituals around friendships as well. Uh, They're not bringing out something from the previous year, although we do bring out the jokes from the previous year. So one is the offside, husband offside. So with the boys from Dubbo, Mario, Ego, Dino and Lopo. So once a year we go to a location, although we tend to go to the Gold Coast quite a lot. And we have a three-day offside, husband offside. We're looking forward to that next year. And that's just this, it's like we just talk about the same shit. But you revert to your teenage selves, don't you? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, is it, is it worse? No, it's teenage and it's, yeah, it's, it's, I could tell you the agenda. And like we've got a, an audience that won't really laugh at some of my crass or some of our crass jokes. But I could tell you in the first day the stupid jokes that we've said every year for the past 15 years. And when one of us says that joke, it's like, ah! <laughs> but the point is, it's five guys. As we age, we talk a lot more openly about what's not working well, not just what is working well. So that, that's, it's a ritual that I love. And when I go there, I feel it fills my cup. Uh, the other ritual, I've got a couple of other groups, like there's the Cycle Squad group, we have our annual lunch, and there's another one that started, Mark O'Neill, give you a shout out, Buckets, um, with Dougie Ferguson from KPMG. It's an eclectic bunch from consulting and industry, and there's a bunch of athletes, and and, and this is the second year on that as well, and it's, it's you know, we have lunch at the at Kirribilli, go to a pub. Um, I love those rituals, just having them in your diary. It's a similar time of year. I think it's really important as you get older and you get busier, I really encourage people to put those in because otherwise what can happen is you look up 10 years later, you're not connecting with your friends. All you're doing is work and people around you feel like you're not the best version of yourself. Now, some people will say, oh, that's selfish. Shouldn't you be at home? Uh, You've got to have a discussion about this and it goes both ways. So I encourage Tony to have that connectivity and rituals. But yeah, that's what I do, Ange. From a family point of view, it's the better week and it's not it's not as much time as I'd like. I'm wanting to have more time, but I try and have quality time. And then with a couple of bunches of guys and, 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 and some girls as well, it's those annual rituals. It reminds me of a quote that Dr. Susie shared, and it wasn't her own. She's, she's borrowed this um, in our last webinar about relationship. And it's two quotes that she's drawn together. But the quality of our conversations determines the quality of our relationships. The quality of our relationships determine the quality of our life. Dr. Susie Green, that's profound. That's all I have. <laughs> well, I think that this is all, all we've got as well. <laughs> I really like doing this discussion. I, I love seeing the growth and evolution you've made. And I also love doing it personally because even when I sat down to do this, it was like, yeah, well, we've changed a lot and strive stronger. AndrewMay.com, but you feel like a wanker calling yourself first person, so am.com. Yeah, it's a whole new offering. Yeah, we're looking at digital products next year as well and mental skills practice didn't exist two years ago. But then when you pressed me on the spot on that on relationships, I, I prepared it all because I didn't know which way you are going to go. But I like doing this. I think we should do this every year. Yeah, and we'll have that Billie Eilish montage. Yeah, and also <laughs> Demi Tavata. Do I get a right of time? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're out. <laughs> 